What's up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we're going to take a look at the Detroit Lions' 34-30 to victory over the Chicago Bears. You know, I had a lot of questions for this game, you know, even going into it without knowing what happened. You know, how was the Detroit Lions going to look without Matt Patricia? How does the change in head coach affect the philosophy, the volumes of the offense and I wanted to watch this game to see you know how much I believed in any sort of changes that they had as well as what are the Chicago Bears going to look like down the stretch both from an offensive and a defensive standpoint for the teams that they're playing so I had a lot of questions and I felt like I got them answered when I actually watched the game from start to finish and uh, and they didn't disappoint me as far as watching the game from start to finish because it was a thrilling way that Detroit won the game away from Chicago. You know, Chicago nursed a lead for most of the second half and allowed Detroit to get back in this one for sure. You know, I had expectations that the Chicago defense was going to be something to be feared this year. Certainly they had a key opt-out and having their nose tackle opt-out and not having Akeem Hicks in there has made a lot more difference than I think anybody would realize. And I'm coming to find out that, you know, the defensive tackle situation for your team means a lot more than people realize. There's a reason that the Rams are any good on defense with Aaron Donald in there. It's because he is so disruptive. And when you're able to bring pressure up the middle, it flushes the quarterback from side to side, which allows your edge rushers to get there. So when you're able to pressure up the middle, it's not a skill that a lot of teams have. And certainly when you have it, you covet it. That's why, you know, the Indianapolis Colts gave up a first round pick for DeForest Buckner. That's why not having Goldman and not having Hicks in there is so big to the Chicago situation. You know, it pushes them up the middle and then Mac and Robert Quinn theoretically are supposed to get there. Robert Quinn hasn't had the year he was billed to have after the year with the Cowboys. So, that part didn't work out either. And then of course, Leonard Floyd is looking good on the other side of Aaron Donald. So it's probably a big reason that GM and coach are on the line as far as they're said to be on the hot seat at this point. And seems like some of the things were out of their control, but at the same time, I have a bunch of questions as far as what they're doing with the offense, but let's get into that a little bit later. Let's talk first about Matthew Stafford and the Dallas native came out strong. I knew that getting rid of Matt Patricia would be a boon for the Lions. Now the question is, is it a one-week thing? Are we trying to prove it wasn't us, it was Matt Patricia and the coaching staff, or is it just a small bump against a division rival and they're going to fall apart from the here on out? That's something I wanted to get a look at so I know if I can count on my Detroit Lions down the stretch because I've got some. And I think that the change could be a big deal for everybody going down the stretch, especially when you could have probably had a lot of the Detroit options that are relevant right now off the waiver wire at certain points throughout the year. So it's a big situation to monitor, and we want to get in there and see what we think is going to happen going forward. Now, one thing about Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions today is they are missing a couple of key pieces that may ferret the touches out a little bit differently while they're in there. So they're missing DeAndre Swift at the running back position, and they're missing Kenny Galladay at the wide receiver position. 
Still haven't come out and said how close DeAndre Swift is to playing. I think that's a big deal for the offense to have one of their most explosive pieces coming out of the backfield, especially catching the ball. Because it did feel like Detroit was passing the ball a bit more today. And that's something they had lacked before. It didn't seem like they were as committed to throwing the ball as they were today. It felt like there was some sort of mandate by the head coach to running the ball. And I hate when they do that. Mike Zimmer did that to a certain extent. Pete Carroll has done that to a certain extent. And you need to let the offense kind of be what it's going to be. I don't like when there's this big edict to do one thing or the other. It's kind of in the game flow of the game. And, you know, Matthew Stafford is kind of their offense. It's not like they have a dominant offensive line that we're getting behind here. I mean, they're fine. I like Taylor Deckard, et cetera, Ragnow too. But at the same time, it's not a dominant unit by any means. And, you know, it's not going to be a situation where you're going to be able to run Adrian Peterson 25 times, get behind it, you know, no matter who's back there. It's just not that type of situation. So it was a big-time deal for me to see Daryl Bevel back there calling the plays, putting more in Matthew Stafford's hands. I got to think that's something they're going to go forward with. And while the Detroit Lions schedule gets a little tougher, you know, the Packers are a good matchup if they're going to pass against them. The Titans got blown out today by the Browns, even though they came back. So we'll see about that. And then Tampa Bay has been a tougher matchup this year on defense too. So it's not a great matchup as far as the playoff schedule goes. But if you're having to ride Matthew Stafford at this point, you've had a lot of things go wrong at quarterback or you're talking about a two-quarterback league, and it's very possible he was dropped. So if you have a really desperate quarterback situation, I could absolutely see you go with Matthew Stafford. Anybody that drafted Matthew in a best ball league has got to be happy about these developments as well because i got to think that they're going to be throwing the ball more down the stretch and that that's been the issue for me with Detroit all along has been the volume of their situation that they've been so much more committed to running the ball. And Matthew Stafford is a lot better when he's out there getting his gunslinger on, using his arm because the arm is still there. If they decide to get rid of him this year, the arm is still there. He's going to show out for whatever team he goes to because he's healthy this year. He still has the ability to move in the pocket. He's not an absolute statue back there. And I got to think he could help a team if Detroit decides to move on. I hope they don't do that, though, because I think they should really try and maximize this second half of Matthew Stafford's career. We'll see how long he plays, but I'll tell you, the arm is still there. So I got to think if things continue on the way they are, he's absolutely capable of supporting fantasy options, especially if they decide to throw the ball more. I know it's only a one-game sample size, and they had to do a lot of coming back a bit in this game, and they did. But I still think it was a situation where Matt Patricia kind of loomed over the offense. And now that that cloud of stank is off of them, I think they can get something more done here. It does give me a little pause with the schedule, like I said, but – If you're riding these options at this point, you probably don't have a choice, and it was a big revelation to see them throw the ball and look a little bit more continuous today as far as their offense went. Now, it wasn't perfect. The Bears still have juice on defense, and they were playing tight coverage. So, you know, without the Mitch Trubisky fumble, we're talking about them second today. But at the same time, Matthew took advantage, threw the ball more. He was making decisive decisions. He still has the the arm to do it. I'm okay with the way he's playing. So. While I'm not looking forward to him as a quarterback one necessarily, I'm hoping that I have a little bit more predictable situation and somebody that's running the ball a bit more at quarterback going into the fantasy playoffs. 
like I said, I still think Matthew is absolutely capable of supporting options at this point, and it's not something I'm shying away from in a two-quarterback league if that's where I am at this point. Now, like I said, I absolutely think Matthew is capable of supporting options at this point. I think I'd only really be looking at Marvin Jones Jr. and TJ Hawkinson at this point as far as the passing game options go. Now, both of those guys are going to be absolutely affected by Kenny Galladay, who did warm up today but did not play. Got to think he's getting close with the hip injury. We'll see if he comes back. If he does, that does make Marvin Jones a little bit less of a target overall. He's been getting a lot of the target share as the number one receiver in this offense. He's been getting open and making plays for Matthew. I have no problem starting him as a wide receiver three flex type. I'm hoping I have better options as far as my first two wide receivers go. Not always the case. Maybe you're not looking at the playoffs as that if that is the case, but I'll tell you, Marvin looks fine. He looks healthy. And if Kenna Galladay re- remains out, I think I'm still looking at Marvin with those big doe eyes to say, hey, buddy, give me some points right there. Same thing goes for TJ Hawkinson. He looks healthy. You know, he clutched his back a bit and came off the field, but he came back in and he got a catch after that. You know, you just so happened that Jesse James got the touchdown. I don't like that they use Jesse James as much as they do, even though it was just the one catch for nine yards today and the touchdown. I just want TJ dominating because he is dynamic for a tight end. He has a little bit more juice. He has a little bit more run, and he's still strong. So I wish they would use him more, and I got to think he's going to be a bigger part of the game plan going forward when they're going to be throwing the ball. He's one of their two best weapons, absolutely. You know, I got to say he might be the best one without Kenny or without DeAndre Swift out there. I got to think TJ is going to be a big part of the offense if everything stays status quo, you know, without Kenny Galladay. Kenny kind of messes everything up for both of them. I don't think it's one of those situations he would add a lot to those two guys. It's it's better for them for him to be out. Now, if you drafted Kenny where you drafted him, you're hoping he comes back. But at the same time, even then, it's going to be hard to trust him when you have to start him, you know, over other options. So I'd love to have a week to look at Kenny and say, yes, he's good to go, then let's start him. You may not get that option if you're talking week 14 playoffs, though. Now, with the increased volume, makes me a little bit less hesitant to do so. But like I said, right now, with everything the way it is, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, let's get him some touches. Let's get TJ Hawkinson out in space. Let's be creative with that because I think you've got something there, and I think that's something they need to continue to use, especially when I have him as my second tight end in a ton of best ball leagues. So let's get going there, Detroit. Now, I have a whole lot less stake in the Detroit backfield, and I'm super happy about that. Certainly with the change in coach, it kind of takes a little bit of the luster off the running game. You know, Adrian Peterson got the two touchdowns today. So for him, the offense going well overall boons his value because he needs those touchdowns to be relevant at this point. I don't think he's ever going to get enough carries or touches where the yardage is going to make sense from a flex position or a running back two type position. So Detroit is absolutely going to have to put him in position to score to be that type of scenario. So I'm not super stoked about that. I really want my DeAndre Swift back. I want him. I want him. I want him back. Dang it. Now I know it's health and I know it's not a situation where I can really blame him at all, but I think he adds this dynamic element and i'd love to see with a more passing centric daryl bevel what they could do with that i want to see it so 
I hope DeAndre Swift is back. They haven't come out and said exactly when he's coming back. He could affect the targets overall for TJ more than Marvin, you know, in a comeback scenario. But really, with TJ, eh, tight end's kind of bereft of options in the first place. So if you've got him at this point, you're probably rocking him, and you've got to love that they're passing the ball more at this point. Now, I know it's a one-game sample size, and I know it's the first game back after a head coach, and there's always a big bounce for that team because they want to prove it was the coach, not them. That extra motivation. Do not discount how much motivation means to an NFL team. That's part of the reason I watch these games is to see how motivated they are, especially this time of the year. You got to watch them. Week 15, week 16, those type of games are the ones where you got to know what that team is thinking. Are they already locked into the playoffs? Do they not give a damn about what's going to happen from here on out? You have to know those things. That's why I'm going to be watching these games for you to let you know exactly where everybody's head's at so you can roll into the playoffs and win these leagues. Is this time, baby? It's game time. Anyway, so speaking of game time, probably not as excited about Adrian Peterson as you might think with two touchdowns. Until DeAndre Swift comes back, it looks like it's his backfield, but at the same time, I just don't know if that's something I'm super excited about, especially when if he doesn't hit the end zone twice, we're talking about 50 yards. So I need to see more to trust that, and I don't think the way I'm thinking, the way things are going to go, I don't think that's going to be the case. So let's talk about the hard luck Chicago Bears. You know, this game comes down to one little strip sack that puts Detroit in the red zone and wins the game because – Once Detroit scored and you knew that Mitch Trubisky was going to have to drop back and pass, this game was absolutely over. Duh. Now, you know, you put Tom back there, you put somebody that has a little experience as a pocket passer, maybe you've got something. But people are getting less and less time to develop those type of skills. So up front, you have to be able to win with your physical skills to develop the mental skills to really take your game to the next level. And what's frustrating for me is that I think Mitch Trubisky has the physical skills. You see him make throws down the field. You see how fast he is with the ball. And you think if you put all those things together, it would equal something. But for some reason, I think it's when he has to make reads in a pocket type situation. But I just it's hard to put my finger on what it is exactly I don't like. But I can tell that I don't like it. And I should. He's got physical skills. When he runs the ball, he's fast. Why doesn't he run the ball more? Why doesn't he keep it on the read options? Why doesn't he make himself a threat to run the ball? It pisses me off, to be honest with you, because I see throws that he makes to Allen Robinson down the field. I see things that he breaks off chunk plays. I see how fast he was. If he pulled the ball down like he was even Daniel Jones, for God's sake, he would have more to this. Defense would have to recognize that he's going to possibly run the ball on third down, when the money plays are, in the red zone, all of those things, and he just doesn't do it, and it pisses me off. Because I see the talent there, and maybe he puts it together at some point. But I don't know if he's going to get that many chances the way it's going. And you know what else it is? I don't like the fundamentals of the way he throws the ball. He doesn't really step into it a lot. It always seems like when he makes a good throw, it's off schedule, it's running around, or he's something's weird. It's not things that it's a third down, and you know they're going to have to pass the ball. Can he get that third down? And I don't see that enough. And it disjoints the offense, 
And you know what? It's not all his fault. You know, I'm getting worked up here, but it's not all his fault because it's also poor offensive line play. But that is the norm for the NFL right now. Having a good offensive line is the most hard thing to come by in the NFL right now. Good offensive linemen that can that can protect a pocket passer, that can give them the three seconds they need to get throws off. That is way, way less and less happening in the NFL at this point. So you have to be able to make those throws. You have to be able to move in the pocket. You have to be mobile at this point. And he is mobile, but he's not accurate enough to make all the throws, to get third downs. And then when you're not running the ball enough, it just it's a recipe for disaster, and I don't get it. And you know what? It makes me think that he's getting crappy coaching. And I think that Matt Nagy is done in Chicago. There's no doubt in my mind he's done in Chicago. They bring him back. That's a mistake. They bring Ryan Pace back. That's a mistake because this dude cannot evaluate offensive linemen and put one of the crappiest offensive lines I've ever seen on the field on the field. So the Bears frustrate me. This is getting me pissed off and worked up because talking about this, when I see talent on the field, when I see playmakers, and when I see a coach and a quarterback that just can't put it together, it's awful. It sucks. And they wasted time when Nick Foles trying to figure that out. Maybe the offense gets a little better. It's a situation where a coach is trying to save his job and he doesn't deserve to have the job in the first place. You know, ooh, oh, they had the Chiefs had a good offense. Imagine that. They had Patrick Mahomes. Duh. And you know what? Eric Bieniemy is better at running that offense than Matt Nagy ever thought about being. So let's get Eric B enemy in there and see what he does. Let's see if it's just Kansas city coaches. They don't have the balls to do that. They'll bring somebody else in, but by God, they better figure something out with this offensive line because it does not work. Ugh! and it really hacks me for my boy, David Montgomery. You know, the guy runs so hard and has been getting no credit whatsoever from anybody because he's getting hit in the backfield. He's not getting hit. Like last week when Derrick Henry was running the ball, he was getting four and five yards downfield before he was getting hit. And then once he's that far downfield, good to go. You see what that can do? You hear that, Chicago Bears? Get this. Opening up holes for David Montgomery means you're probably going to run a little better. Weird, huh? Weird. And then using Corderell Patterson back there is an insult to my boy. And I know you don't have anybody else, and that's okay. But don't insult my boy. He has 10 times better hands than Corderell ever thought about having. You know, Corderell, he's fine and he's explosive. And it's a tragedy that NFL teams can't figure out a way to get him the ball more in space. But don't do it at the price of my boy, David Montgomery. No, 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 no. Not here. Not now. Give my boy some carries. Give him some touches. Get him out in space. Let him do things with the ball. The guy is running so hard for you. But you know what? There's nothing you can do about your offensive line midseason. And I'm thinking that David Montgomery could be a buy low target next year in drafts because I think people are going to say, oh, he didn't do much with the opportunity last time. Let's draft him in the ninth or 10th round. And then hopefully a new regime comes in and kind of fixes things as far as Chicago goes, which seems really weird for a team that won as many games as they did. But teams have figured it out. Noah Keem Hicks up the middle, really wrecking things. It goes wrong in a hurry, doesn't it, Chicago? And it's sad because, like I said, Mitch has talent. He flashes at times, but 
all the confluences of everything coming together the way it has is just really gummed up the works for everybody. So it is what it is, though, for fantasy purposes, and we got to kind of discern what we think about our Bears down the stretch here. So let's talk 14, 15, 16 for the Bears. Thank goodness the schedule is a little easier down the stretch. So at home versus the Texans, at Vikings, at Jaguars. That's a schedule I can get with. I got to imagine that they can run on the Texans a bit. Same with the Vikings, same with the Jaguars. So I love that for David Montgomery. You know, it's not the most stable situation because of all the things we just talked about. But without Tariq Cohen in there, they got to know that David Montgomery is their best option and he can catch the ball. Use him. Feature him. Feature him. But he can't because your offensive line is not good enough. Oh, nothing pisses me off more than terrible offensive line play, apparently. And you know what? It's not even on them necessarily. Most offenses are having to move their quarterback around and are having to be creative. And that's the other side of it is, you know, where's all that stuff? Where's this offensive genius stuff? Because they see plays and sometimes they work and stuff, but uh, drives, long drives, times when you know you're going to have to pass the ball and the other team knows too, where's that at? Because that's where they fall behind. And it affects everybody. And really, this offense is only capable of supporting one receiver, and that's Allen Robinson. Now, what that's going to mean for Allen in the long term for the playoffs, I'm not so sure. And it does make him a little bit more volatile as far as those wide receiver two type options go. But I can tell you unequivocally, he's the best option they have as a receiver. And that may be another thing, too, is – is he the only wide receiver? I mean, Mooney is fine, I guess. Certainly has some growing to do. Probably needs to eat a sandwich and get in the weight room. Same thing with Anthony Miller. So is it the options? Is it Mitch? Is it the line? Is it the QB? I mean, is it the coach? So hmm, kind of questionable. I also kind of like the way, not for this year, but just long-term, I kind of like the way Cole Komet looks. I think he, I like the kind of cut of his jib just as kind of a side note. So I think that's something I might be looking for in deep dynasty leagues. Cause like I said, this is a regime change waiting to happen. We'll see what the next regime can do with the, with the situation. They may not have Mitch to deal with at that point. Who knows what the quarterback situation will kind of suss itself out to be. They're not going to be in the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So we just need to see kind of how Chicago susses itself out for the off season. But for now, nice-looking schedule, which makes me trust David Montgomery, probably Allen Robinson, too, nobody else. Zip, zero, nada, not starting anybody else. Don't care what happens. I don't care if Mooney goes for 100 yards next week. Out. Completely out. But maybe David Montgomery. Maybe. And maybe Cole Komet. Dynasty. Anyway. That's what I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe. And of course, if you haven't already, if you've gotten to this point, download for your boy. That's how they track everything. That's how they know that I'm providing the advice for you, that I'm watching these games for you don't, so you don't have to, so you can go out there and dominate your league. Take this information, go dominate your league, and have a great rest of your day.